Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. First Chronicles 16, 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I know it sounds a bit cliche or maybe too on the nose to talk about giving thanks during a Thanksgiving podcast, but rest assured there's some other topics that we're going to be dealing with uh, when when we get through with this. But where I want to go, I can't go without first looking at these verses. Now, let me preface all of that by saying this. In the past, Lance and I recorded these uh, holiday podcasts together, whether it was Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. Uh, so what we would do is we'd come up with a topic, we'd create a basic outline, and then we would just stop talking to each other, which actually was pretty fun. Seriously, though, um, we wanted to surprise one another and and to be surprised. We would study on our own. We would think about it. We would pray about it separately. And then we would sit down face-to-face in front of a microphone and just start discussing. We'd ask questions. We'd quiz one another. We'd argue and agree and laugh and learn. And it was really just a, a really fun experience. And so, as you know, I'm, I'm doing things a little differently. I'm not looking across the table at Lance, and, and so this is just going to be me today. But I still have a lot of questions. So, in this go-round, I'm going to need your help just a little bit. I'm going to keep asking the questions, but this time, I want you to answer them. So, when they come up, when I ask a question, I just want to ask if you'd consider pausing the recording and think about it for a minute. Uh, if somebody else is there with you, discuss it together. And when you've kind of reached a resolution or conclusion, then hit play and, and we'll continue on. Okay, so let's get back to the verses that we started with. Did you notice something about all five of these verses, both found in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Did, did you catch something that was unique about those? Well, let me give you a hint. These aren't suggestions. They're not recommendations. They're not tips. They're not proposals. These are commands. Let me say that again. These are commands from God. God instructs and orders and mandates and demands and requires us to give thanks. These are God's commandments. Now, he has others, ones that we're more familiar with, ones that we like a whole lot better, ones like do not steal and do not murder and do not lie. Like We like those because those are a lot more easier to follow, okay? But, but what about giving thanks? And my second question is, why is this even necessary? Why, why does the Bible have to give us an edict? To be thankful. 
Is it too hard to accomplish? Is it too easy to forget? Is it in our nature just to be ungrateful people? You know, I really think that being thankful should be a no-brainer. Thankful people live happier, they're healthier, and let's be honest, they're less grumpy. Thankful people smile more, they worry less, and they live longer. Thankful people have more friends, healthier relationships, and are generally just more joyful. So you want to stop hating your job, worrying less, and you want to live longer? Thankful people do that. You just need to have this attitude of thankfulness. So when the Bible commands thankfulness, it's it's almost like telling us that we should breathe, right? I mean, it seems really simple. It's like a no-brainer. Like, you shouldn't have to tell somebody, you need to eat your dessert because it tastes good and you'll enjoy it. Instead, it's like when we hear the command to be thankful, it's like, oh, really? Do I have to? I mean, I should do this, but it's a little bit harder. And so I just find it interesting that the Bible really kind of lays out a decree. And the reason why it does is because being thankful just isn't that easy. So I want to ask you this question. Why does God go out of his way to tell us to do something that we should already want to do? Okay, so this is the part where you can pause the recording and answer the question, discuss it. So I'll ask it one more time. Why does God go out of his way to tell us to do something that we should already want to do? Okay, so hopefully you found the pause button and you discussed it and you came up with an answer of your own. And I would be curious to hear what you have to say. So be thinking about that. Write that down or come share it with me the next time you see me. I think one of the reasons why he continually commands us to give thanks is because it's just not as easy as it sounds. Think about it. We're coming up on a holiday called Thanksgiving in which we do just about anything but give thanks. Okay, so maybe I'm indicting you and I shouldn't, but I'll I'll speak for me and, and the people I know. On Thanksgiving Day, we watch football and we complain that the ref made a bad call, that the coach called a bad play, and that the player missed another tackle. And we sit in front of the TV and we yell and we scream and we say, our team stinks, right? All on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, we eat food. And we either think to ourselves or maybe even say out loud that the turkey was dry, the mashed potatoes were cold, and that someone ate the last piece of pecan pie. All on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, we travel. We travel on roads with other people who don't know how to drive. Someone is going to cut us off. Another person is going to pull out in front of us. A third is going to veer into our lane because they're looking at their phone. 
There is a chance, however slight it may be, there is a chance that one of you is going to stick your head out of the window while going 70 miles an hour down the freeway to yell at another driver. And even if you don't, you're going to daydream about doing it and how cool that would be. All on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, or at least the day after that, we shop, maybe online, maybe in person. And while we're shopping for things that we don't need but we want, we mutter about how everything costs so much, or we complain about the lines, or we grumble how they don't have our size in stock. All on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, we lay around. We belly ache about how we ate too much and our belly aches. We get upset because the kids are running around and making too much noise. And we wish we could be in our own house, laying in our own bed, and that everyone else would be far, far away. All on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, we visit family and friends. And we complain about the kids being too loud, about how our brother-in-law is too opinionated, our sister is too moody, and our grandpa snores way too loud. All on a day meant to be a day of giving thanks. So let's just face it. Being thankful isn't so easy. God knew that, and so he constantly reminded his people to work on it over and over again. And so now I just want to ask you the question. So get ready to, to, to pause the podcast for just a minute and ask yourself this question. What keeps me from being more thankful? Go ahead, pause the podcast and think about it. Okay, so we're back. What is it that keeps you from being more thankful? Certainly, if, if giving thanks were just right there in front of us, I suppose it would be easier. But the problem is there are often many obstacles between where we are and the land of thanks. Ironically, some of those difficulties that keep us from being thankful aren't actually in front of us. They're behind us. It's the things that in our past that sometimes keep us from being thankful. Think about it. Not all restrictions are in front of you. Imagine trying to drive down the road with a chain wrapped around your bumper and that chain is connected to a large rock. It's trying as much as you can you're not going to be able to go anywhere as long as that chain is hooked to that rock. For many of us, the obstacle that we have is not in front of us. It's the obstacle that is behind us. The last few months, I've been rereading some of C.S. Lewis' works, and I've recently found myself immersed in his book, Mere Christianity. So, as you may know, C.S. Lewis um, uh, lived in the 20th century, uh, and he released uh, the material for Mere Christianity uh, in a series of radio broadcasts on the BBC during World War II. 
Uh, it would be another, uh, oh, almost 10 years later that those uh, recordings were then published in a book in 1952 under the title of Mere Christianity. Now, many of the subjects Lewis speaks on in this book are intriguing, but his chapter on forgiveness was especially enlightening to me. And so I want to read just a few excerpts. This is from chapter 7 of his book, Mere Christianity. He starts in his second paragraph. He says, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive as we had during the war. And then... To mention the subject at all is to be greeted with howls of anger. It is not that people think this too high and difficult a virtue. It is that they think it hateful and contemptible. That sort of talk makes them sick, they say. And half of you already want to ask me, I wonder how you'd feel about forgiving the Gestapo if you were a Pole or a Jew. So do I. I wonder very much. C.S. Lewis goes on to say, I'm not trying to tell you in this book what I could do. I can do precious little. I am telling you what Christianity is. I did not invent it. And there, right in the middle of it, I find, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's no slightest suggestion that we are offered forgiveness on any other terms. It is made perfectly clear that if we do not forgive, we shall not be forgiven. There are no two ways about it. What are we to do? When you start mathematics, you do not begin with calculus. You begin with simple addition. In the same way, if we, if we really want, but all depends on really wanting, If we really want to learn to forgive, perhaps we had better start with something easier than the Gestapo. One might start with forgiving one's husband or wife or parents or children or neighbor for something that they have said or done in the last week. That will probably keep us all busy for the moment. And so I love where C.S. Lewis starts off. He says, hey, like, like forgiveness is not easy right? And a lot of people want to make the argument about, you know, uh, what about the Jews, how they were mistreated? Like, how, how should forgiveness be applied to that situation? He says, look, I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm, I'm not telling you what I would do. I'm just telling you this is what Christianity calls us to do. We're called to forgive. And thankfully for us, none of us in here have to, have to deal with forgiving Gestapo for being pulled away from, from our families, and ending up as orphans. But he says this, look, you know, we all have hurts, but but if you want to work on forgiveness, don't go straight to the big ones. Start with the small ones. Think about how you can forgive people for the small things. And it's funny because I'm the worst at this, or the best at this, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but man, somebody cuts me off the road or drives like a wild man in, in front of a, a school, that gets me all fired up, right? And he says, start with those things. You know, learn to forgive people who, who cut in front of you. The people who have, you know, 17 items in a 15-item or less express line at Walmart. You know, find ways to, to, 
to, to forgive those small things, and then you can start working on forgiving some of those bigger things. But here's the deal, and this is why I wanted to talk about forgiveness on uh, on a Thanksgiving podcast, is because if we don't forgive, if we can't unhook from the past, we can't find ourselves driving towards a future of thankfulness. Listen to this. This is interesting. This is a, a one more paragraph I want to read again from Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis's book. He says this, The real test is this. Suppose one reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper. Okay, or, or for us, maybe that's online. We're reading and we find out about some person or group of people that we don't like. Maybe we'll call them Democrats or Republicans or uh, radicals or conservatives or 49ers fans. Oh, yeah, now we're really getting bad. But like some group of people that we, we really don't like. Okay, suppose we read a story about them that's that's really bad. But, but then suppose, uh, picking up uh, where C.S. Lewis uh, was writing, then suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite so bad as it was made out. Is one's first feeling, thank God even they, our enemies, aren't quite so bad as that? Or is a feeling of disappointment and even determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking your enemies as bad as possible? If it is the second, then it is, I'm afraid, the first step in a process which, if followed to the end, will make us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. If we give that wish its head, later on we shall wish to see gray as black and then to see white itself as black. Finally, we shall insist on seeing everything, God and our friends and ourselves included, as bad and not able to stop doing it. We shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred. This is so profound that C.S. Lewis, 70 years ago, really 80 years ago as it was on the radio, is talking about the hatred that is just consuming our world. And and part of it goes back to is this idea that we just aren't willing to forgive people. We don't want to see the best in people. We don't want to imagine good things happening to people that we don't like or that we disagree with. Think about that. Think about at what cost we would go to to make sure that our enemies were proved wrong and we were right. Think how badly we've we've thought about how we want other people to hurt, for them to be punished, for them to pay. How many times have we wished the return of Jesus just so our enemies can fall down on their faces and beg. You see, it's it's this forgiveness or lack thereof that can consume us. When we're 
unwilling to forgive, when we hold things against people, it starts off as these small things, and then we continue to hate and hate and hate, and it just never seems to go away. So I have this last question I want to ask, and again, if you'll take a minute to, to pause, but but listen to this question. I want you to think about it. Is it easier to forgive when you are younger or when you're older? When do you think it's easier to forgive? When, when you were younger or, or when you were older? Boy, I would love to be a fly on the wall and hear your conversations as you talk about, is it easier to forgive when you were younger or, or when you were older? I mean, I guess you could argue both ways. As you get older, you know, you've, um, you've had more mistakes in your lives. And, and so for that reason, you think you would be more willing to forgive because you recognize we all make mistakes. You remember it was the older people who dropped the stones first when Jesus started riding in the sand, they were prepared uh, to stone the woman caught in adultery. But it was the older ones who, I don't know if I would say forgiveness was a part of it, but they were less willing to uh, to, to med out judgment upon this woman. And, and so I'm just curious, you know, maybe maybe it's easier when we get older, but, but I also think that that the older we get, quite possibly, the longer we've held on to, to the different ways that we've been wronged. You know, I, I don't believe that time heals all wounds. In fact, a lot of times, time can actually make it worse. We think about how we were hurt, and we retell that story over and over again, over and over again, until we completely lose sight of what really happened. And all we know is the people on the other side are monsters and they're evil and they're terrible and we did nothing wrong and they deserve to be punished, right? But the truth is, while forgiveness is freeing, it just isn't easy. So if I were to ask that myself the question, is it easier to forgive when you're younger or older? I would say the best time to start forgiving is now. Right now. Just unhook that boulder of resentment and anger and bitterness. Just, it won't be easy, but... Just dig and claw and fight your way out of that hole. Well, how do you do that? Are you angry? Give it to God. He can take care of it. He knows how to handle that situation. He knows how to offer justice or grace, whether they need punishment or mercy. He understands that whole situation. He knows it better. He knows how to handle it. He has the resources. Give it to him. Say, God, this is yours. Are you broken? Give it to God. He's the one who can heal. Holding on to that hurt and that brokenness won't fix anything. All it is is a, a wound or a scab that keeps getting picked over and over again. Just give it to him. Are you exhausted? Give it to God. He can carry the load. He says, come to me. 
Let go of the burdens that are weighing you down. Let me take it for you. If you want to begin forgiving, you need to start with giving it to God. And so as we approach a day of being thankful, I want to ask you to start forgiving. Practice the small stuff and keep forgiving. And then you can release the big stuff. Because forgiving will accomplish two really, really big things. One, you will be forgiven. And two, you will have a reason to be thankful on a day called Thanksgiving. May you have reasons to be thankful. There are many of them. But we have to let go of those obstacles behind us so that we can move forward, give thanks to God, and give glory to Him. May God bless you as you all travel, and may you find reasons to give thanks for all that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do for us.